it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz today on Tuesday, April 20th, which means it's 4:20. Ben, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everyone? How's it going? Good hey, episode glad. here. Good episode. I'm ready oh, for this. Oh, yeah. We got tons of good stuff on here today for y'all. We got some NFL draft. We got some NBA stuff, obviously, with the season winding down. But first, like I said earlier, it's 420. So, you know, Ben, there's a lot of athletes in today's game. We know a lot of athletes smoke weed now. I mean, in the NBA, they don't even drug test. Um, same thing with baseball. I mean, they drug test, obviously, for steroids and things like that, but not for weed and things like that. They let the athletes get away with all that. Even in the NFL, they've lightened up on all of it now. Um, so, obviously, there's some guys who are the highest athletes in sports, Um you know, uh, me and Ben both kind of singled out one athlete, even though there's tons and tons you can choose from. I will say this, though. J.R. Smith would have been my winner, but J.R. Smith is now retired. So, J.R., you're no longer the reigning highest athlete in sports. Ben, who's your highest athlete in sports? This is what a question. Um, I mean, there's there's decent amount to choose from, um, whether you want to go based on appearances um, or if you want to go by actions, I'm going to choose to go by actions. I'm going to go Dion waiters. Um, okay. the man, the man who is simply, um, took, a, a few too many gummies on his airplane, started having a panic attack and the Miami heat had to emergency land their team plane because he was too high on an airplane. Um, that is just, that's a story. I remember when it came out. And I was just like, dude, this is like a joke. Like, is this April? Is it April Fool's Day? Like, I was like, Stephen A. Smith is just going to love this. Right. And there's plenty to choose from. And, and if uh, if you don't say the guy I think you'll say, then, then we can talk about him, too. But I'm going to I'll go Dion Waiters. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. As Stephen A. Smith would say, stay off the weed. If I had a, if I was good with the editing, I would totally edit that one in there, but instead I just did it myself since that's about the closest we can get. But my highest athlete in sports, this is a, this one I had to think out of the side of the box a little bit for here. I'm with Brandon Ingram. So my first reasoning being, I don't know if y'all have ever seen Brandon Ingram's eyes, but they're never open and he looks so high. Like they're bloodshot red. They're like half like Wiz open. Khalifa. Yeah, he literally, his eyes look like Wiz Khalifa's pretty much. There is no way Brandon Ingram is not, didn't, doesn't eat like four edibles before the game. And the other reason why I know that he's one of the highest athletes in sports was because when he used to play for the Lakers, he sucked. I mean, he's definitely smoking better weed out in L.A. Because, I mean, California is literally known for its weed, and he sucked. Now he goes where he's smoking probably less stronger weed out in uh, out in New Orleans, and he's balling out. So, I mean, I could or couldn't I mean, be rating him highest I mean, player in the one, league. I mean, you got – I feel like the OG of this topic – is Ricky Williams. <laughs> Absolutely. Like he literally quit football to smoke pot, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, I'm sure he's got other investments and he's doing something with his life, but a, like, that's pretty much why he said he quit football. Oh, yeah. Even Calvin Johnson said that one of the reasons he quit football is so he could smoke weed again. He said it's better for his joints and bones and aches and pains. So, I mean, it's clearly yeah, he's a, at least he at least he did his job on the field and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Before yeah, exactly. he called it quits. Yeah, Ricky Williams probably gave up a little too soon on it. The other person that I almost picked out was Kyrie Irving because you know Kyrie Irving just gets retarded high and comes up with the dumbest theories. You know, I feel like he's one of those guys who just gets extremely the high and goes flat. down some loop and just like I don't know, just convinces himself something ridiculous is true. Josh Gordon, 
That's a yeah. That's another good one. Is Josh Gordon still in the league? I think he's on the commissioner's exempt list. Bob Mennery, if you know who that is, is trying to help him out, uh, get back in the league or anything. Uh, It's I don't know. He you know I hope he gets his work, uh, you know, taken care of because he's he's a pretty good football player. He's definitely talented. So uh, he's definitely talented enough enough to be in the NFL. Um, even still, even after his his breaks that he's taken, so oh, yeah, uh, I hope he can get his shit figured out. Oh yeah, you'd love to see Flash Gordon back in the league, dominating and doing his thing again. Um, anyway, on some more serious notes, though, let's get into some of the more important topics. Um, the NFL draft will be next Thursday, and prime time is always now big time event with the draft and everything. Um, ben and I are definitely excited for that. We kind of started draft talk out last week with the quarterbacks. This week. Um, let's get into some of the other skill positions. Obviously, this is an offense-heavy draft. Um, we have three argue, – I'll include Kyle Pitts in here since he's basically a wide receiver. So we pretty much have four of probably the best wide receivers we've seen come out in a while with Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith Jr. Um, ben, do you think all four of these guys will be off the board by the time the top 16 is over? By the top 16? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I, I honestly think there's a very good chance you see three in the top 10. Um, and that's including two or three quarterbacks to go. So I think the top 10 is going to be offensive explosion in this draft. Um, some offensive linemen, uh, a lot of, you know, the, the quarterbacks that we've mentioned, um, a running back will not go in the top 10. A running back almost rarely nowadays goes in the first round. Um, I think these position players that you just mentioned, all four, absolutely go top 16. If not, then whoever gets one of those guys outside the top 16 won the draft. I think it's pretty simple to say that. Um, I think Pitts is a guy that his skill set, his size fits what's big in the NFL nowadays. It's that athletic tight end. You see it with Darren Waller. Um, you see with uh, Kittle and, and Kelsey and these guys, but I think Darren Waller is is a pretty good comp for uh, Pitts because the, the speed that Waller has, and you see it, like people are struggling to cover this man out in Vegas. Like he's just always open, big frame, nice hands. Um, Pitts was an unbelievable red zone target for the Florida Gators last year. He should be another red zone, a good red zone target in the NFL. It's I think the one that, you know, not going to get overlooked, I think the one that's going to go last would be Jalen Waddell. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he would go last if uh, his injury didn't happen. Now, I, you know, he's going to be healthy by the time week one comes around for the NFL. But you know what? I, I almost think that if you were to ask me to rank these prospects, and it's, it's weird that I'm saying this, but I think, Devonte Smith would be number four out of these four. I agree. Um, um, if if I had to rank them, I would go. Ooh, that's tough. I would go Pitts. Ooh, I would go Pitts, Waddle, Chase, Smith is my order. I think I would go. But if I were to draft any of them, I think I would go Jamar Chase, depending on what team I am and what quarterback I have. But, but yeah, I mean, these all four of these guys have a damn good chance to be really good and really good right away. 
No, I agree with you completely on that, Ben. I think all four of these guys, one way or another, will be off the board. I agree. I think probably at least three of them go inside the top 10, but I feel like this is going to be a situation where teams are just trading up trying to get these guys. I mean, like I said at the beginning, it's an offense-heavy draft. There's good offensive linemen stuff, but these teams are going to be wanting and covering and coveting these offensive weapons. I mean, when you think about teams like the Ravens, I mean, when you think about, you know, these teams that are in the back, you know, that have been in the playoffs, they're willing to give up a first and a third, you know, or they're willing to give up a first and two seconds to move up down that board and go get that offensive, um, you know, that's that uh, playmaking skill position guy that they need that their offense has been lacking. Um, I personally would rank them Kyle Pitts, Chase, and then Waddle, and then Devonta Smith as well. I mean, if Waddle never got hurt, though, he might have won Heisman Trophy. We might be talking about him as going over all these guys, which is the crazy thing about it. I mean, just because he was injured is the only reason why I would drop him that much. But honestly, I think all four of these guys are going to be absolute freaks in the NFL. I don't see any way that one of them flops, and one of them isn't a few-time Pro Bowler. I think all of them will be 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown receivers at multiple points in their career and for seasons and seasons. I think we'll be watching all these guys for years and years. Also an offensive heavy league, you know, so getting these guys in there is absolutely huge. But I think these guys are going to fly off the board pretty quick. Like, I would be absolutely shocked to see them drop. I mean, especially Kyle Pitts. Like, I feel like he's the most one-of-a-kind out of all of them. That's the other reason why I put him in number one, just because, you know, there's not a lot of tight ends that come out like that. So I feel like Kyle Pitts is just guys, you know, there's three of those guys rather than there's only one of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and and uh, just to talk about Waddle real quick, how many guys, just off the top of your head, can you name that kind of play – that style so obviously Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. um you know if you want to throw Nicole Hardman I think that's another name the Chiefs have those two guys but do you consider like I I would not put Calvin Ridley and Jalen Waddle as the same player not at all um but it, like is there anyone else on the top of your mind that you think uh people will compare Jalen Waddle to outside of Tyreek Hill I feel like that's an obvious one but I don't love comparisons when you're I don't, I don't love to compare someone to the top at their game. Like Tyreek Hill is the best smaller slot receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL. And he doesn't even always play in the slot, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I don't want to compare him to the best of the best because he may not be that good right away. So, you know, there are other people on your mind. Yeah. Maybe. T- what do you think about Tyler Lockett? Yeah. Tyler Lockett. Um, that, I think that's a good one. I would say like Waddle, yeah, I mean, like, the best part of Tyler Lockett's game um, is probably route running in his hands versus guys mm-hmm. like Tyreek Hill and Waddle, I think the best part of their game is their speed. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I'm curious, like, I, we don't know much about him. He was a rookie and he didn't play much, but Jalen Rager is supposed to be that type of guy for the Eagles. Yeah, he didn't. Um, he, he I guess Deshaun Jackson like is, is a legend in this in this category with speed. Um. Yeah, Stefan Diggs is too tall to be like that, but Stefan Diggs kills people with his speed. Maybe, honestly, like Robbie Anderson. You know, Robbie Anderson had a breakout season this last year, or Terry McLaurin. You know, Terry McLaurin's mm-hmm. not a huge receiver, but he's freakishly fast. DJ Moore's pretty damn fast, too. Yeah, and, and my point, just by bringing it up, was all the guys that we've named, like, they're all successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are having good NFL careers. This position – when you're when you're uh, this height and this skill set, I don't know. You know, if you go back a decade, I, I don't know if there's that many guys successful in the league like this. Now, Deshaun Jackson has been was very good for a long time, but there wasn't a lot of him. There there wasn't guys that you could just say run a go route, and you're going to be open ninety percent of the time. 
because Tyreek Hill essentially just runs straight or he runs across the field and people can't keep up with him, right? It also helps that he's the has the strongest arm quarterback we've probably ever seen. A guy who kind of did this before all these guys with Mike Wallace with Big Ben. Mike Wallace would have mm-hmm. like three catches a game for like 170 yards. Two of those would be screens that he would get do for like 10 yards. And then one of them would be Percy that Harvin, play I guess. where, yeah, where Big Ben breaks like seven to seven tackles in the backfield and then chucks one up in the air <laughs> and he's behind the entire defense. Yeah. I, they're just electric players to watch. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. And, and Jalen Waddell is, you know, a type of guy. And, and Devontae Smith did this a little bit college with Waddle went out but I don't know if he's going to be this in the pros but Waddle is a guy that is going to impact a team on uh, special teams most likely in the punt return game mm-hmm. um and, and also uh at the wide receiver position yeah no I mean this is definitely a stacked up draft at the wide receiver position a lot of guys are going to do a lot of damage um the other position we're pretty stacked up to have as well as running back I mean I was trying to make my list of my top five running backs that I think will go in this of who will go first in this draft class. And I mean, it took me a while, honestly, to narrow it down and get everything down. Um, first off, Ben, before we kind of get into the best running backs in this draft class, do you think we'll see a running back go in the first round? And if we see one, do you think we'll see two? I do think we see uh, one. Um, I'm going to say no on two, but you know, I think pretty early in the second round is when we'll start to see some running backs taken off. And if there's not one in the first round, then I think within the within the first 10 picks of the second round, I, I do think you have two taken off there. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, the two best, uh, like I'm going to go with Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Now, I know that there's a couple other guys, but these guys play at the – you know, the top of the top level of college football, the best teams throw. For which for a running back, I'm going to include running the football, blocking on passes and uh, and and um, just the leadership, to be honest with you. And both of these guys were leaders on their team. Both of these guys were unbelievable rushers of the football and both have great hands. So I'm going to put those two at the top um, of my running back board, but they're, you know, this class is pretty deep, which I, I don't know if you can say that about a lot of running backs in today's game coming out anymore. They're, they don't have the immediate impact. They don't have the longevity um, impact on teams. You know, the teams that pay running backs, um, you know, big money are, are, are not doing too hot. So, uh, you know, we'll see what the, the Panthers end up doing with McCaffrey and we'll see if him coming back is, is beneficial for them because Le'Veon Bell didn't work out in Pittsburgh, didn't work out anywhere else. He went Todd Gurley Rams got rid of him when he was mm-hmm. up for a big deal. Uh, we, we've seen this a lot recently. So uh, I, I'm going to say Najee Harris does go in the first round. Um, and I think Travis Etienne follows pretty shortly after. Yeah. Um, I think that we will see one running guy go in the first round. I've seen ETN projected a lot to go to Pittsburgh. I've seen pretty much every mock draft that they have Pittsburgh taking a running back. Uh, I don't know if I actually agree with that necessarily, though. I feel like the Jags and the Steelers are really the only two teams that do. But ultimately, I think we're definitely going to see one running back go in the first round. I feel like Pittsburgh has other needs, and they've used picks on the guys like Anthony McFarlane, guys like Benny Snell, just to name two that they've taken in the last couple of years. 
Um, they still have Jalen Samuels there as well, you know, so like they still have running backs there in Pittsburgh. I'm just not 100% sure if they're going to use a pick on one, but I think there will definitely be one guy picked. I, like you, have Najee Harris first on my big board. I don't really think that there's much that we need to say about Najee Harris besides he's a beast, and I would love to see him wearing a Falcons jersey somehow next season. But uh, I actually have, have uh, Travis Etienne at number three on my big board. Don't get me wrong, Etienne can do a lot of things. I mean, he's he pretty much is like Alvin Kamara, and the way how he can catch the ball, the way he can run the ball, he's the leader, like you said. But I think Javante Williams from North Carolina, I think he's that running back that brings next level just all around skill. I mean, when you watch this North Carolina team play, they had him and Michael Carter, who they could run the ball off. And, you know, I can give you all a little spoilers. Well, my Michael Carter, at number four, but Javante Williams played linebacker all throughout high school and then started playing running back until he got to college. I mean, he, he broke 76 tackles on 156 carries pro football focus. So that's the highest they've ever calculated for tackles being broken. He loves hitting and he was known as a big hitter when he played linebacker and he didn't do any shying away from that when he was in college. He also has amazing speed and is good at getting to the edge. I think that the way that he runs the ball and the physicality he brings, he could be like an Adrian Peterson type running back in the NFL. And I mean, look at Adrian Peterson. He's still doing it to this day. I think Javante Williams is the second best running back in this draft class. And I mean, he could even end up being the first guy. Yeah. And listen, North Carolina, as you mentioned, two really good running backs. That's why their offense was, was so explosive last mm-hmm. year. Not only with Sam Howell in the passing game and, and they're two stud receivers, but they could run the football. They two guys that get you a hundred yards every single game. And, you know, that that's definitely a good pick. I, I want to mention, I don't know if he's in my top five. I, I, I would not have him in that, I don't think. But a sleeper, in my opinion, is Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I wrote him on um, the sheet. He, he's a guy that didn't play. Um, I don't know if he played at all last year. I think he, he opted out. He played out. the first game. He had 15 catches in the first game. Yeah, and then, he either got hurt and then opted out, or I think he opted out. But uh, this he was the leading rusher, I believe, in the SEC. His uh, his second to last season, so it would have been two seasons ago in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, just a powerful runner for his size. And, you know, I, I just think with the right team, I think he's probably – I'm going to say he probably goes mid to late, um, probably early third round, maybe mid to late second round at best. Um, <clears throat> but we've seen with running backs that a lot of the times the, the the first couple guys taken don't necessarily pop off to be the best guys. So I think Kylan Hill is a guy that he fits today's NFL uh, kind of to a T, to be honest with you. He's a great pass catcher, as you just mentioned. And he just runs hard. And he, he just, Every time you give, every time Mississippi State gave him the ball, it was a chance to just take it to the house. And he, he wasn't playing the easiest of competition being in the SEC. So, for a school that gets overlooked a lot in the SEC in college in Mississippi State, he was he was not a player you could overlook. No, never a player you could ever look. I actually have him on my list, and to be honest with you, I almost stuck him in on my list at number five. The other thing I want to say real quick about is UNC running backs. Ben knows how much I love that UNC football team last year. I picked him to go to the Final Four, but that was also before that the uh, Big Ten had announced that they were going to play the season. But um, 
that game versus Miami, I feel like it was the most perfect representation of Michael Carter and Javante Williams' skill. Uh, both of them ran for over 150 yards. UNC, I remember, broke a record for like most rush yards in a game. And they just ran the ball all over Miami. I know you know the game I'm talking about, Ben. They ran all – it was literally just like every single play. They just took turns handing it to them, and they just ran down their throat. It was the most rush yards ever by two players on the same team in the same game. I think that's the record they broke. So – but um, back to what you said, yeah, Kylan Hill can do everything, man. I mean, just because he didn't play last year, he's kind of getting, you know, swept under the rug a little bit because he played that one game and opted out. He's proven what he can do. And honestly, I mean, he'd be a great pickup. I've seen him going in the third and fourth round. So I think whatever team takes him is going to get an absolute steal. As my fifth guy, though, I have another guy that everyone forgot about, and that's Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. So two years ago when he actually played, he led the NCAA in rush yards. He didn't play last season, but – We've seen these Memphis running backs like Darrell Henderson. I mean, he did pretty well in the NFL last season. We saw uh, D'Angelo Williams there for a while. I mean, Memphis just keeps churning, even Tony Pollard. Memphis keeps churning out these NFL-ready running backs, and Gainwell is just the next one. Gainwell returns kicks as well. When he's a freshman, he took three kickoffs back for a touchdown. This guy's got speed. He's physical. He's everything you could want in a running back. I mean, he could just as well be just as good as any of these guys, and he's probably not going to get any hype. My last guy, I'm going to go a little different from you. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like the running back from Memphis. Um, but I'm going to go Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. I have a six. <clears throat> just a touchdown machine in college. And he would just rack up the yards. It didn't matter who he played. Now, I know that Buffalo may not play the greatest competition. I, I don't really think that matters because when you're putting the numbers up like he put up, um, do you remember how many – didn't he put up like seven touchdowns in a game or something like that? Yeah, I was actually trying to pull that up as you were talking, but um, yeah, see if you could pull that game up because he had a eight. crazy amount of eight touchdowns and how many yards? If you have that, uh, four hundred and nine. Right. So listen, this is not a guy that's going to be overlooked because you put those stats up and you're on everyone's radar. This is just your downhill physical running back that I, you know, I don't know if he's going to play uh, as a three down back immediately. I think that's kind of an area he might be able to grow in, but. You need short yardage. You need you need red zone running backs. Not many guys better than Jarrett Patterson in this draft, to be honest with you. Just, just an absolute bull. Um, I, I think he has a chance to be a, a very good career. I think he needs to probably get a little bit better in his pass catching and uh, blocking game. But they didn't need him to do that in college. And you know, just for the people that are un, uh, not aware. Buffalo's got another running back that decided, I believe he's going back to school. And him and Jared Patterson were both a thousand yard rushers. I think they have been every year of their career. These guys are both studs and Buffalo's getting one guy back and sending one to the pros. I think Jared Patterson is going to be in my number five. Yeah. Also too, um, Buff Buffalo or in, uh, he ran for uh, 301 yards the game um, before that one that he ran for 409. So pretty crazy but uh also too he's five foot nine so you know like he can kind of hide down around the goal line behind people and you can't even see where he's gonna pop out at but yeah no i like him too chubba hubbard and uh trey sermon have both fallen down the board a little bit so that's a little interesting too i'm not sure what the exact reasonings are but well chubba, chubba's senior year um really wasn't wasn't even close to being up to par with what he did his junior season um, his junior season, he was like the number one back in college football. Yeah, I mean, in their offensive line, though, they had like three freshmen last year, and they had like two, two or three guys like they were seniors all leave. So that was mainly what the 
problem was, which I agree with. Also, too, Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech was one of the rush leaders, and he's not even really getting any hype. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's a lot because there's a guy. Um, you want to talk about a school that no one talks about? Um, Kansas. Yeah. Who was their running? He's um, a goofy name. I can't remember what Puka. it is. Puka, yeah, Puka. Williams Jr. Yep. He, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was a transfer from somewhere. I, I don't know what happened, uh, but I believe he transferred to Kansas. I might be wrong, but um, for some reason, uh, I think he was at like, kind of like a you know, a bigger Power Five school um, before going to Kansas. And listen, he put up some numbers at Kansas, and I know that Kansas doesn't win a lot of football games. I I, I do understand that, but. I don't think that's a penalty on this kid, and he was outstanding in his college career. Yeah, no, I agree with you on all that, Ben. This is absolutely stacked up draft class. All I can say is our Falcons have no excuse for having the worst running backs in the NFL after this draft class. Better do something to make that backfield better. It's going to be fun to see who gets their name called first and who's, you know, these guys will be flying off the board in that second, third, fourth, fifth round. We're going to see running yeah, backs I think, going. I think once a couple of them go, I think you'll start to see uh, more and more start to fall off the board. Uh, oh, second absolutely. and third round, second and third round for sure. Uh, or really second through fourth round. The first round, it's, it has not been too kind to running backs. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. There's going to be a guy who goes in like the sixth or seventh round in this draft that's going to end up being a stud in the NFL. Um, anyway, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, we only have one more topic left for y'all. And that is over to the NBA. Also too, next week, me and Ben will be dropping and just kind of, we'll probably do a mock draft to like the first like 14 picks or so. I usually don't like to be doing trading and stuff around in the drafts, but I mean, at this point, there's probably gonna be so many trades. We might as well pick what we think will actually ha- end up happening in this draft and what teams are going to pick where and all that good old stuff. So It'll be fun to put that together. I mean, odds are we're not going to be very accurate at all, but still going to get end up giving it a shot. But let's talk about two of the big storylines in the NBA. So at this point now, we've had LeBron get injured. We've had James Harden. We've had Joel Embiid. I mean, we really can't get a front runner for the NBA MVP anymore. Ben, who are you picking to win MVP? Yeah, I mean, this is tough. Um, because of the injuries, like you said, I I really want to say Steph Curry. Um, what he's doing right Insane. now is something no one else, I don't think, has ever done. I mean, first of all, no one shoots it like him, ever. There's billions of people that have touched the basketball. There has never been a person to shoot the ball like Steph Curry. And what he's doing with a very depleted roster – um, this roster is not very good. Uh, I mean, I think we're way beyond the point of even casual NBA fans knowing that guys like Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre aren't that good. Um, I think Draymond still gets his respect. He's been on championship teams, but he's also more of a – he's really only a defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good facilitator offense, but doesn't really contribute in the points category. And with James Wiseman being out, and obviously Clay Thompson being out, I mean, Curry has literally put this team on his back. And with the new playoff format, like they're in contention for the play, the play-in spot and to make the playoffs. And that is not a team you want to play. That's not a player you want to face in a playing game. Absolutely um, not. I'm, even though I'm hyping him up, I don't think I'm going to have him as the MVP right now. I'm still – 
and it's hanging on by a thread, I'm still going to put Joel Embiid. And I know that he's missed time, but I think you have to give credit that his team is still the number one seed in um, the East. I think his team is the best team in the East as long as the Nets are not fully playing together, which currently they're not. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot. I think Jokic is, is still a guy, but the, I think his team is just going to fall off that his overall team success might hurt him, even though it's an individual award. Mm-hmm. For now, I'm going to say Embiid. I think Steph Curry is right there. Um, Harden is right there, but he's, he's missing some time right now. So I'm going to stick with Embiid. I would rather Steph Curry win. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's a bad pick at all, Ben, with Embiid. Um, first thing I want to say about Steph is last week, Steph hit more three-pointers than four other teams did in the NBA, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. I mean, uh, that should not even be fair. He capped it off with 49 and t- on 10 and 17 from three last night, which is even more absurd. Um, by the way, I love it when he hits the three and he counts out and he goes one, two, three, and four when he hits the four-point plays. That's absolutely kills me whenever he does that. He's, but I think he's got how many straight games? How many consecutive games with 30 or more? 10 um, or 12? I can't remember how far back the streak goes, but yeah, it's insane. He actually passed Bradley Beal last night for points per game leader by 0.3 points. So he's now the NBA leading scorer as well. But um, back to Embiid for MVP. Look, I don't think it's a bad pick. Embiid's brought a lot to the table. Embiid's ramped his game up. If Embiid didn't miss so many games, I would have no problem with it. But the thing is, he's already missed 18 games. We're playing a 70-game season here. That means he's missed roughly 20, over 20% of the season's games. I would say Embiid's going to miss two more games. That means he's going to miss 25% of his team's games. I don't think you have an MVP that misses 25% of his team's games. His team's 9-9 nine and nine when he's out and has some decently impressive wins as well. So, you know, I would love to give Embiid the award. I think he's putting his game to the next level, but I just can't do it. I'm going to go with the Joker. And the reason being is because, look, LeBron, it would probably go in order, Embiid, LeBron, they both missed too much time. Next guy up, maybe probably James Harden. But the fact Harden's missing games now and the fact of what happened in Houston, people still can't get that out of their minds. I think that ends up hurting Harden and doesn't allow him to end up getting this MVP award. The reason I like Jokic so much is not only because he's the driving force of making this Denver team win, but Jokic's averaging 26.4 points per game. That's 10th in the league, 8th in rebounds at 11.1. So he's averaging a double-double. And then he's 4th in assists at 8.8 assists per game. I mean, Jokic is doing it crazy, crazy efficiency as well. He plays inside out. I mean, this team plays well even with him on the floor and without Jamal Murray. I mean, he's played in pretty much every single game this season. And, you know, his Nuggets are still hanging strong. I mean, the Nuggets are still killing down this four seed at 37 and 20. They're eight and two over their last 10 games. And, I mean, they won all three games so far without Jamal Murray, which is even crazier. Um, I think as long as he is able to keep them out of that uh, inside the top six teams in the Western Conference, I don't see a reason why Jokic shouldn't win the MVP. Now, if they flat fall back into that uh, – into that um, playoff area, then that's probably where that I would lean back with Embiid with you. See, I don't think Steph has a chance at it. I just don't think you can give it to a team that has to play in those play-in games. Same thing with Luka. That's why he can't get it. I mean, the Jazz don't really have anybody good enough. I mean, people could, I've heard people rumbling a little bit about Chris Paul. The numbers just aren't simply aren't there for me on Chris Paul with the Suns. I think the most logical choice is, is Jokic and then Embiid. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, if, if the Joker wins, if, if Nikolai Jokic wins, that'll be an unbelievable speech because his personality is just tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be so funny. My thing is, you know, the award's MVP and it stands for most valuable player, but that's not how the award is voted on, right? Because if it's most valuable player, and I'm not saying Jokic is not, and, and I'm not saying Embiid. I mean, Embiid and Jokic are the best players on their team, and then they are the most valuable to their teams. But most valuable player, when you think about that, it literally stands for Chris Paul. It literally does. If LeBron is hurt, because every single team that Chris Paul has joined has gotten better and better yeah. by a large margin. So, I mean, the Suns were a team that has never. Uh, and I don't want to say never, but um, since, you know, Devin Booker has been there, they've never won more than 23 games. Like they got 23 wins within their first like 30 something games this year. Like they're unbelievable. He's are they second in the West right now? Yeah, I think they even they're like they're like a game behind Utah right now. Yeah. And, you know, even though his numbers may not say the whole story, Devin Booker's numbers are up. It's not because Devin Booker has been working his ass off. I'll tell you that. It's because Chris Paul and his leadership is there. DeAndre Ayton has looked better. Miles Bridges, not Miles Bridges, um, Michael Bridges. All of their role players are better. And I don't care what anyone says. It's because of Chris Paul. It's not because of the coach. It's not because of the offseason work that these guys put in. I'm sure they work hard. It's Chris Paul. He brings in a different mentality. And I'm not saying he should get the MVP. I just think he deserves to get some recognition mm-hmm. because he's literally the most valuable player in the league outside of maybe LeBron. I think he's very valuable to the team, but I don't think he's the MVP just simply because I can't have my MVP only averaging 15.7 points per game. But no, I agree with everything. Yeah, that's fine. I'm Chris- just saying what the, what MVP stands for is exactly what Chris Paul does to teams. No, I agree. I you, agree you take, you take him off this team. They're borderline playoffs and most likely lottery because without him, it's the same team they've always had, and they will win 23 games. Yeah, if you take him off off the team, I'd say they're sitting right there with Sacramento and in New Orleans at that 25-23 win area. So, yeah, no, I mean, definitely, I definitely agree with what you said there, Ben. Um, last topic before we get up out of here, LaMelo Ball will be returning to play sooner rather than later he yesterday was um, rumored to be out for only seven to ten more days um, that's a huge shot in the arm for this hornets team to get him back and get more healthy the question here would be do we think that lamella ball can still win rookie of the year so i did a little research here anthony edwards is averaging 18 points per game lamella is only averaging 15 but lamella is also averaging six rebounds and six assists per game also, too, Minnesota is tied with Houston for the worst record in the NBA. And, I mean, their roster talent is 25 times better. LaMelo Ball's team is now eighth. They were the four seed when that he got injured. I think it's a no-brainer here. I think it's absolutely still LaMelo. I mean, Edwards has him by three points per game. He has Edwards by a ton in the other two big categories. LaMelo's Ball's team was winning, and it was because of what he was doing for his team. I think there's no doubt about it that LaMelo Ball can still easily overtake him for rookie of the year. Yeah, he missed about 15 to 18 games, but I mean, I still just feel like you have to give him the award. He's making such a bigger impact than Edwards is. His team's actually winning games, and he's actually the reason why. Well, I picked Embiid to win the MVP as of now, even though he's missed games. It's 
It's no different for LaMelo. Um, and, and I know that he's only averaging, not only, but it's, you know, 15 points per game. That's solid. I believe his numbers are even higher since he was moved to the starting lineup, it is, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, the impact that he has made on that organization, second to none. Um, I, I know that they brought in some veteran players. They've had Terry Rozier, um, but they brought in Gordon Hayward and, and some guys like that, and Bridges is, is playing better, and I get that. But, I mean, one of the best facilitators in the league and is only in year one. Um, just such a high IQ he plays with. I, I would still give him the MVP. And I'm actually looking on FanDuel right now. He's minus 300. Minus 300 for Lamelo is the favorite. Wow. Second place is Anthony Edwards at plus 220. So he's still the favorite according to FanDuel, and uh, he, he should be. Yeah, I mean, if he was out for two or three more weeks, I'd say probably toast. But the fact that he's going to be back here soon – and I mean, the next like 10 days, he'll probably be playing at the end of next week. So, you know, I think that the fact that he's coming back so quickly, I feel like you got to still give it to LaMelo and it's well-deserved too. I mean, LaMelo Ball is an absolute beast. He's one of the, he's one of the young up and coming stars of this league. I really think he's got multiple all-star appearances in him. And credit to him for working his butt off to get back as soon as he can, because um, I don't remember the original diagnosis, but I, I don't, I, for some reason, I feel like he's coming in ahead of schedule. Yeah, he's coming a little bit ahead of schedule. They said it was wrist. They said he'd be ready to go by the playoffs. But, yeah, he's definitely coming in way ahead of schedule. They probably expected him back, like, the beginning of next month. Well, good for him. Um, and, listen, his team is shocking the two of us, and it's a, it's a good kind of shock. It's a pleasant surprise. It's always nice to see the teams that have struggled for years finally start to turn the tables. And, and you know, that's including, you know, the team we root for. Oh, yeah. No, it is very nice to see the team we root for turning the table. Y'all know how much the B and Ben love that team as much as they might do what they always do. But anything else from you, Ben, before we get up out of here? That's all I got, man. Hey, that's all I got from me as well, guys. We appreciate everyone who tuned in once again. Um, we hope y'all have a good rest of your week. I don't know if we'll get at y'all again this week, but if we don't, we'll see y'all again next week. And we got a lot of stuff coming for the draft.